This special is brought to you in part by Casio, where miracles never cease. Untitled Beatles podcast. Cas- uh, I almost called you Casio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, what up, Yamaha? <laughs> TJ, did you ever own a Casio SK-1? Uh, no, I didn't. I did. Remember a Casio SK-1? Remember that keyboard? It was the keyboard that you could sample things. There was the famous commercial for it where it's like the teenager in his bedroom and he samples his dog barking and then... Robert and Rufus. I play the Casio SK-1 and Rufus sings. Come on, Ruf. Got it. Now whenever I want Rufus to hit it, I just hit this button. Oh, the Casio SK-1 sampling keyboard because the show must go on. Which later went on to inspire a scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Where Ferris is homesick making the sounds on his keyboard, yeah. Hi, Ferris, how's your bod? <coughs> oh, my God, you're dying? Uh-oh. <coughs> yeah, Casio SK-1. That was the first keyboard I ever bought. I begged for it. I think I got mine in 87, I think. But uh, I loved that thing, and I, I had it up until just a few years ago. It finally died. It, it was missing. It, it had, like, the hillbilly teeth <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the keys. Like, half of them were gone. <laughs> <laughs> never, never heard that term before. <laughs> but it did It did me some good. Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. And I'm a lead singer of the Cowboy Mouth spinoff band, Hillbilly Teeth. <laughs> Cowboy mouth. Jamie says, turn off the radio. We open for Mr. Blotto quite frequently. <laughs> I forgot about Mr. Blotto. See you at Shuba's, motherfuckers. Yeah. Find us, look us up. We're on the we're on the cover of <laughs> Illinois Entertainer this week. <laughs> I.E. I.E. I love you. Yes, yes. Well, we're gonna talk about the Beatles and sampling this week. I'm I'm excited about this one because it, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's 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 fun. A lot of people used to have great opinions about sampling and how like is it music? Is it, you know, a lot of people got real uptight about sampling, which I get, you know, especially when people were doing it and the artists being sampled weren't getting money for it. That can sometimes be a thing. But yeah, what do you think about sampling in music? I think sampling can be used really effectively in music. I think that sampling has helped, in my limited knowledge of the hip-hop era, sampling has helped define hip-hop, including the Beatles, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sampling is better than stealing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one could argue that George Harrison sampled He's So Fine in My Sweet Lord. That's what he should have done. He should have done. <laughs> Yeah, he should have just played the record and then, you know, had Hare Krishna over it. He's so fine. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. 
right, exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the spirit of the Beatles, I feel like, l- other than some of the legal uh, issues, lends itself to their music being used I- as samples in, and it has been many times. Now, there's mashups as well that we'll get into in this episode, too. Yeah. But yes, I, I think as a whole, sampling is great for exposing people who might not know a certain style of music or, or a collection of songs. It's a great way to expose them to that music. So I dig it. Yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, yeah. I do think artists should be uh, compensated if their works are sampled. You know, I, th- I believe in the clearance rate or whatever. However it works. I've never, I've never actually done it on anything I've put on the market. I know I messed around with it like as a joke in the 90s and stuff. I think I out of nowhere for a guitar solo for this like goofy track I was making, I just put smoke on the water in there, you know, just <laughs> and it was on vinyl too. So it even did the like that. <laughs> you hear the drop, the static. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's where the term needle drops came from. I mean, as a music director oh, yeah. at, at Second City and in the, the comedy scene, like we always called them needle drops. Well, years after we were playing actual records, when I started Second City, everything was a mini disc. They'd gone from CD oh, to mini disc right. to then doing it off, uh, off iPods in what, 04, whenever the iPod came around. But yeah, I mean, right. there, uh, what I love about a lot of the samples that you hear is a lot of them feel sourced from vinyl, and that gives it kind of an organic and, and very cool kind of sound, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we thought today we would talk about the Beatles' own use of sampling, and also the Beatles being used as samples in songs, and then also Beatles mashups. And then I thought we'd pick uh, a couple of favorite or noteworthy is <laughs> for lack of a better word, uh, use of Beatles samples in, in, uh, music. There's, there's so many, uh, if we listed them all, uh, you, we would be dead. <laughs> well, a real fan would list them all. Do you know anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a real fan. I'm just a clown. I'm a Beatle clown. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> lady, <laughs> a lady, do, 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 do. <laughs> Well, as far as I know, the earliest use of sampling by the Beatles, I think, Yellow Submarine, with the uh, the little band that plays in there. Yeah, that that part. And the band begins to play. As far as I know, that song, Casey buzzed the hell out of me on this. It's French. Le Rêve Passé is the song. And it was a 1906 recording. Is that possible, TJ? I guess so. Well, there's been recorded music since dinosaurs in the 1800s. <laughs> oh, yeah. I learned that at the Creationism Museum. <laughs> yeah. The Beatles were T-Rexes. Well, Ringo was a Triceratops. <laughs> later buddies with the guy from T-Rex. Why can't I think of his name? Mark, Mark Boland. <laughs> it took me a minute. I got it. Still got it. Still got Not it. the Hoople saying about T-Rex in the Bowie pen to all the young dudes. Good night, everybody. <laughs>
No, wait. Did Bowie sample T-Rex? No, no, no. You're getting it all wrong. <laughs> did John Williams sample a T-Rex in the Jurassic Park score? Is that sampling? Oh! That's my T-Rex. No, that's a monster from the, the t- 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 Tiki, the Cantina Bar. <laughs> in Tatooine. It's called a Tiki Bar. <laughs> So that, to me, Yellow Submarine was the first time I think the Beatles, I think, used some kind of a sound effect or some other form of music in their own music on that was pre-recorded. That's my belief. Well, it makes sense because what are some others? I mean, the do you count the World Wildlife Federation across the universe where they have the birds at the top? The birds and the tweeting and the... What is that tweeting bird out there? Oh, God's sake. Fucking horns and birds and seagulls and shit. But that's what those are intended for. So, I mean, you could call it, sure, it's a sample. It comes from, like, authentic sound effects record Electra number 10 or whatever, you know. Right. (laughs) But that's what those were meant for. Um, Still in all, you are sampling that. Yeah, you are taking a sample from that record and putting it on there. So, yeah, I guess it does, yeah. Well, and of course, Pepper on Good Morning. There's a a lot more samples we're going to get to. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think the first is Yellow Submarine. To my knowledge, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, in a way, is sampling. It was stuff they created, but that's tape loops, so I don't, you know... I feel that that's like sampling adjacent, like all all the stuff that was in and out there. When tape loops are part of a nutritious, balanced breakfast. <laughs> if you wish to round up the flavors of fruit, come, little friend, just follow this snoot. Follow my nose. Right on, cowboy! It always knows. Fruit flavors! Whoa! Kellogg's Fruit Loop cereal, orange, lemon, cherry, and other natural flavors fortified to be part of this nutritious breakfast. No one ever took breakfast cereal and did like the brown tape made that like a cereal. (laughs) Somebody should have sugar-coated tape, just long. Someone should do that with cereal, make like spaghetti-style cereal. How come they never did? Now I gotta eat loops, fruit loops, (laughs) gone my way to Sunday schools. (laughs) Kenny Loggins. Had integrity. Yeah. Kenny Loggins <laughs> cared. Every song he made was written for a Tom Cruise film. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You're right. I take that back. <laughs> I love Kenny. I, will, I don't fuck with Kenny Loggins. I love the, uh, the, the 82 duet with Steve Perry of Journey called Don't Fight It that wants so hard to be a rock and roll song but isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Like, they try so hard to rock and it just is not. It's not a rock song, but it is. Some things don't work. Some combos don't work. You know, not everything can be chocolate peanut butter. Sometimes you get chocolate lettuce. It doesn't work. (laughs) Usually chocolate lettuce is half price at Aldi. (laughs) That's not chocolate. (laughs) She was serving lettuce. Yeah, lettuce. And she was wearing lace. But yeah, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite also kind of plays with tape loops, which is perhaps a way of uh, sampling. (laughs) 
I am the walrus famously, right? Yeah. Uh, straight off the straight off the radio. Yeah. You know. Donna Summer on the radio. What? Untimely death. Death. Um, <laughs> uh, all you need is love. Has a bunch of George Martin's ingenious samples in that. Would you, yeah. Are those samples? Because the orchestra is playing it live. Right. Right. I mean, these are the questions, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's not actually. Yeah. It's not. Well. Right. With things like classical music, like you know, there's no definitive version of it. It's not like it's the record that you're taking off of it's the music like wasn't green sleeves in there and stuff right yeah green sleeves in the french national anthem in the mood right a little bit of in the mood yeah Which I believe that he got charged for. He he copyrighted or he used a part of the song that wasn't in the public domain. So he actually had to pay for uh, In the Mood. God, I, I'm sorry. I, I tried to have hate in my heart, but I'm glad Glenn Miller is dead. <laughs> you came here for the Beatles, you, you end up with hot, hot Glenn Miller takes. <laughs> All the Doughboys came home. Hey, it's another. It was the previous generation's rock around the clock, right? Yeah, the greatest generation, Tony. <laughs> that's what they. That's what they called themselves. <laughs> I thought the boomers had fucking ego issues. Jesus Christ! <laughs> the worst thing is we're going to be the worst generation. <laughs> we're going to be the forgotten generation. <laughs> going to be. <laughs> oh yeah, already happened. Well, technically, the Mellotron itself, this instrument, is a sampler. When you hit a key, that's a tape being played of a flute, of a whatever. Name the instruments that are on there. Cello, etc. <laughs> wow. Amazing. So actually, in Bungalow Bill, the first thing you hear on that song, that Spanish guitar, I was always like, who played that? That was Ringo. <laughs> Paul was on the set of, uh, what was that movie he scored in 67? The Family Way? The Family Way, yeah. Paul was on the set of The Family Way. Ringo had to take the classical guitar solo. <laughs> no, uh, so that's a Mellotron, that guitar sound. Yeah. That So that's cool. Yeah, what are some others? I'm trying to think of some others. Well, and they they, they bring in a, a robot to sing not when he looks so fierce. <laughs> they they bring in a robot and speed up the tape. His mommy butted in. So wait, TJ, you're one of those people that says robot? <laughs> it's a robot. <laughs> It's a robot. It's a robot. It's a it's a it's a it's a robot. Hey man, don't make me write your obituary, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs>
One day it's what, it's what it is. Someone's going to die and you're going to hand it in a, a bot in Russia is going to give you your, <laughs> your send off on in the newspaper. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. <laughs> number nine, 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 number nine. Well, I was going to get into Revolution Number no. 9 and the, the samples that were used in that, because that one has quite a few. A lot, yeah. Most of which are interminable. <laughs> well, these all came from a uh, website called whosampled.com. It's great. It's, it's great. Uh, it, it helped with this uh, researching this episode a lot. And uh, so, yeah, 30 seconds in, there's that kind of um, backwards piano. That piano sound, I believe it's Myra Hess playing, and it says here the Schumann Symphonic Etudes. Anyway, the sample actually comes in at 11 minutes and 41 seconds of this piece. They reversed it. And then later, in 2006, somebody named Jake Chudnow uh, used that sample to create another song called 145 Parentheses Poodles. Sorry, Chud now? <laughs> yeah. Well, now, if it's now or never, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm getting ahead of things here, but I just love that. I love that this sample that the Beatles used ended up being a sample, you know, nearly 40 years later in some other song that's meant to be bedroom pop dance, whatever you want to call that genre. Silently closing the bedroom door. We also have the King's College Choir in there at 51 seconds of Revolution Number no. 9. That's the King's College Choir with Oh Clap Your Hands. And that comes in at 116. I'm doing this for Casey mostly so you can find these samples. <laughs> Show notes on the air. I love it. Show notes on the air. Thank you, Casey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch more. I mean, they actually, you know, they sample Revolution 1 in there. You know, that 20-minute version of the first pass at Revolution yeah. th that goes on with John screaming all those like, all right. That's all from that, which is cool. All right.
couple other things. The college cheers are actually from Authentic Sound Effects Volume 10, Electra. And then right around the that staticky radio part, around 7 minutes and 13, is, again, buzz the hell out of me. I don't know how to say this. Farid El Atrache. Uh. <laughs> how could that not be right? You remember Joni Loves Atrache, the Happy Days spinoff? <laughs> Chachi would not have become a, a real asshole. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got in the weeds there. I got in the weeds there. I'm trying to impress all the Beatles scholars, but fuck it. Hopefully Let's just our say- listeners are on the weeds as they listen to you do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's Revolution 9, man, and we're talking about sampling. So it gets, you know, it's gonna get as wily as that. I'm a Listen, I know we feel differently about this. Uh, side four of the White Album is the least listened to side. Excuse me. Side two of Yellow Submarine is the least listened to side in any Beatles album. Side four of the White Album is next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. And poor Cry Baby Cry. I know. know. <laughs> cry Baby Cry. It should have been a shorter record. It's a bloody Beatles. Shut up. You know, I'm, I'm not a great one for that. You know, maybe it was too many of that. Look, what do you mean? It was great. It sold. It's the bloody Beatles. White album. Shut up. Yeah. We may have left a couple other. There's uh, Beatles use of sampling out, but, you know, it's a... We only have so much time. Uh, chime in with your favorite if, if we left one out. How about that? Uh, you brought up uh, Revolution Number no. 9. My favorite sample the Beatles used is an I Am The Walrus, which is just one of my favorite. You, you had a description on a show we did a few weeks ago on John Lennon. Um, I'm forgetting which episode, but you referred to Cold Turkey as being less a song and more like a sound. The way you said it was so perfect. And Thank obviously, you. I'm the Walrus is a song, but to me, that's a sound piece too. Oh, it's totally. so strange and so theatrical that when that clip from King Lear comes in um, at the very end, and I, I, as a theater guy, I'm not a Shakespeare guy. I don't know if that makes me un, uh, you know, uneducated or whatever, but the use of that moment in King Lear it, whether or not the context is applicable, the theatricality of it, it's the perfect moment because it's equal parts random and intentional. And as the song fades out to hear a, an English actor say the words, sit you down, father, rest you in a brief last crescendo before the song ends has always left me feeling something. Sometimes it's chills. Sometimes it's what was that? But as many uh, times as I've heard that song, I always feel something because of the way it ends with that sample from a BBC radio broadcast of a Shakespeare play. That's wild stuff. That's adventurous stuff from the most popular band in the world in 1967. Oh! Slave! Thou hast slain me. Villain, take my purse. If ever thou wilt thrive, bury my body. And give the letters which thou find'st about me to Edmund, Earl of Gloucester. Seek him out upon the British party. Oh, untimely death. Death. 
I know thee well. A serviceable villain, as duteous to the vices of thy mistress as badness would desire. What? Is he dead? Sit you down, father. Rest you. Yeah, it's chilling that it happened. It wasn't planned. They didn't cue that up. They just turned the radio on. That happened to be on when they recorded the radio bit. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, what do they call that? A serendipity. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's serendipity. <laughs> it's serendipity. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job. Remember when the uh, Lincoln Park Zoo had a commercial that was like a 50s one? Lincoln Park Zoo. Lincoln Park. My kind of zoo. It's a world of fun. It's brand new. Come see us. We'll see you at the zoo. Lincoln Park Zoo. What's brand new? Lincoln Park Zoo. My kind of zoo. Yeah, they sampled Sinatra. They totally did. (laughs) How come a hippo sampled Sinatra? (laughs) How come Rhino Records didn't call themselves Hippo Records? (laughs) Love Rhino Records. (laughs) Well, let's get on. Let's move on to... Before mashups and kind of like before hip hop became mainstream. Never got into the show. It was too serious for me as a kid. What you're saying is that it needed a laugh track. <laughs> and they gave it one to the cage, oh, did didn't they? they? Oh, I forget. Yeah, because I remember it being quiet. Did they, I forget. I thought... I feel like in syndication they gave some seasons of MASH a laugh track. Oh, that's funny. That's sampling. (laughs) (laughs) The laugh track was always a a thorn in my side. One of the great joys, again, uh, of England is that if you go there, you see it without the laugh track. And the, the, the ironic thing, of course, is that all of these laugh tracks are primarily these days of dead people. These are people who laughed long time ago and are still laughing only they don't know it. Suicide is painless. They also took a laugh track off of Mary Tyler Moore, which is a chilling experience from removing the laugh track from a loud sitcom. Can you imagine like a loud sitcom, like a threes company with the laugh track edited out? Yeah, I I want to say they did that recently. I want to say the Get a Life DVDs. Remember Chris Elliott's show, yes, Get a Life? <laughs> that opened with one of the R.E.M. songs I enjoy. It opened with Stand. Yeah, yeah. Chris Elliott as the paper boy living with his real-life father, Riding Bob Elliott. Riding the bike, yes. Riding the bike, yeah. What a great show. It was like one of the weirdest shows ever. Look at this face. What do you see? Look at it, Dad. What do you see? What do you see? <laughs> Say it. Say it. Well, it's a face. Yeah, but what kind of face? Uh, pale. Pasty, psychotic. No, Dad. It's a neatly chiseled, well-groomed, drop-dead, handsome face. I'm gonna become a male model. I'm like a rough diamond that just needs a little polishing, that's all. And that's exactly what handsome boy modeling school is gonna do for me. Oh my god, they're gorgeous! So funny. Another just, I mean, nobody without Letterman, Chris Elliott. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a kid when he got that. He was like 19 or something when he started writing for those guys. It's amazing. So funny. And I don't mean to, I'm sorry. I'm. I, I, this is where like Siskel Ebert, I'm more Letterman, you're more Leno. So I want to make sure that we <laughs> get that across. Because you just love classic cars. 
I mean, that's honestly between you and me. When I lived in Los Angeles, I had a side hustle polishing all of Jay's cars. I, uh, <laughs> Sound alike medleys. So yeah, before hip hop went mainstream and before mashups, there were these sound alike things that were. So 1977, this French group called Cafe Creme did a Beatles disco medley thing called Unlimited Citations. It's what it is. It's just a disco beat and and snippets of your f- favorite Beatles songs <laughs> and mine. <laughs> and they refer to it. They actually sing a, a a lyric they go back to. I can't remember now, but it's like, yeah. these are Beatles lyrics. <laughs> it's very yeah. literal. Yeah, they have their own theme song, which becomes uh-huh. which becomes a theme on its own with these uh, with these mashup. Uh, I should say, uh, sound alike medleys. French people, <laughs> but you know, so that's a that is a way of it's it's not exactly sampling, but it's they sound a lot like the Beatles. You know, it's people that are kind of if covering you've been them. in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> There's an ult, also another group called DBM who had a hit with a disco. I don't know if they actually had a hit. They released it <laughs> called Disco Beatlemania, also in 1977. <laughs> They later went on to have hits, uh, DBM, with Ants Marching, Satellite, What Would You Say? She wakes up in the morning. This goes on for 10 minutes. (laughs) And then the guy goes... More saxophone. That's my problem. I'm telling you. The Elements (laughs) Memory Guy went on to play with Lights Down You Up and Eyes. All right, guys. One of of these days, we're going to do a deep dish on just the Elephant's Memory solo record, the record they have out as 
that's called an elephant's memory. A psych masterpiece. Is it is do the Oz on that? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> or God save Oz. Yes, and now as the final potato is peeled for the stew of my mind. I watch as the vinyl papaya is slowly forced back into line. Well, I think the most famous of all these sound-alike groups was Stars on 45. We've mentioned them on this program a few times. Uh, yeah, I own some Stars on 45. I'm sure you do, TJ. I'm about to hold up for you. For those of you who subscribe to our video channel, it's 500 a month, and you get me in a T-shirt holding up records I've had since the 70s. I have had, since 81, this is the Stars on 45 single where I colored in with crayon. Oh, holy shit, you did. You colored it blue. The, I colored it blue, the label. And I think in my uh, six, seven-year-old mind, I thought if I did that, it would feel like part of the blue album. Because I <laughs> wow, was so into I love the red blue albums. And this is an original copy of the Stars on Long Play LP on Atlantic. And I used to, as an only child, make my mom and dad play record store with me where we would put masking tape on all my records uh, with prices. So in my mother's handwriting, I was trying to sell Stars on Long Play out of my bedroom in 1981 for $3. No, but yeah, yeah, the the spine's all kind of torn up. But yeah. I have lived That's in these awesome. medleys since the early 80s. Buddy, Stars on 40, and uh, you can get into some of the history if you want, but I will just tell you, these, uh, there's no Beatle thing, Beatle-adjacent thing that is equally this bad and glorious. <laughs> it is objectively <laughs> terrible and so and awful, and the tempo shifts and the inner like the songs in the long medley, like yeah. to to fit the beat, they have to slow eight days a week down so much that in a hard day's night are both so the tempos get so slower by this band to match the 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 flaccid dance beat they have. I mean, yes. I, tell us a bit about where this came from. I know you've done you've done some homework on this. <laughs> well, of course, if it's a little bit strange, it might be Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> and this, in fact, was Dutch. Uh, it was the creation of a Ronald guy. Ronald Reagan's <laughs> slogan for a yeah, while. Yeah, uh-huh. Dutch Reagan. Weirdo. Yeah, weirdo. Uh, <laughs> I hate you, Ronald Reagan. Stars on 45 was a Dutch creation from uh, a guy named... Uh, again, Casey buzzed the hell out of me because I'll probably get this wrong. Yap Egerton. <laughs> I mean, it's J A A P. I'm not going to say. <laughs> and I know they do wise as J's over there. J's is wise over there. And wise is J's. <laughs> wise is J's. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a question. Wise is J's? <laughs> How, why can't I stop eating these J's? <laughs> can't stop eating them. J's! Jays. I like the shoestrings. Oh, the shoestrings were yeah. great. Your your ham was greasy for a week. They were, yeah. My my lunch brown lunch bag had a big uh, greasy spot in it from <laughs> something else. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a guy. Uh, he created it, and it was based on some other guy from some record label who was in some record store and heard a bootleg disco medley of someone who had kind of stuck together all these songs that had a similar tempo and two Beatles songs were on there. 
And also a song that he owned the rights to, Venus by the Shocking Blue. And they were a Dutch band. She's got it. So this guy got an idea to like, oh, let's just get sound alike people to do it so we can get out of the trouble of, you know, actually using someone's record on our record or whatever. So he, he found three guys to be John, Paul and George to do the voices. John was voiced by, again, a guy named Baz Muiz. <laughs> Paul. It's, pronu- it's pronounced Skaggs. <laughs> One for the road. Maybe that. Maybe, maybe this is his Doctor Winston boogie. Maybe <laughs> Boz Skaggs is actually Boz Moyes, <laughs> or maybe it's Bass. I don't know. Man. Uh, Thanks for giving us the lowdown. <laughs> I'll, I'll go through the rest of these quickly. Boz Skaggs reference. Yeah. Paul was Hans Vermeulen. Hans Vermeulen. Great Nazi. <laughs> One of the best. <laughs> no, we don't know that. He's going to sue us. You <laughs> yeah, can't no. say things like That's that. That's how man. we get famous. <laughs> yeah, we- and then George was uh, voiced by someone named Aki Huizdens. What do they say in the, in the Complete Beatles? Aki Daki? Which is also the Aki Daki. Aki Daki. Because tight. <laughs> <laughs> And then that spooky intro, so Stars on 45, like Cafe Creme or whatever, has its own theme, right? The... The stars in 45 keep on burning your mind. Like, we can work it out. Remember, twist and shout. Mm-hmm. You still won't tell me why there's no reply. The stars on 45 keep on turning in your mind. But we can work it out. Remember, twist and shout. You still don't tell me why. And don't choose this is what makes it great the songs they use in this it's not just red album it's random and incredible i mean it opens with no reply then goes into i'll be back i mean this is uh, yeah it is it's random ballsy. it's it doesn't open with help and i want to hold your hand right no no it goes deep man I, yeah they're they're like i said it's, it's yeah it's strange it's very dutch yeah well, and, and on those lead vocals that is uh jody Piper, I think that's how you say it. It's P-I-J-P-E-R. Maybe it's Pidgeper. Uh, wait, singing, you can move it like disco. Love yeah. that being vaguely disco screamed at. Yeah. And this came out in 81, yeah. you know? So, like, disco, in theory, was dead. But apparently, this was in reaction saying, like, uh-uh. Not if you not if you do it to the Beatles. Is, is it? Let's let's uh, go on a on a deep disco dive for a minute. 
I learned that and I grew up loving some disco because I'm a kid of the 70s, born in 74. And, yeah, me too. Uh, I but, brought Shadow Dancing was show and tell, a show and tell record. Really? Yeah. It was my Shadow, favorite song. Shadow Dancing, like with your 26-year-old teacher at the time. That's what you mean. <laughs> We did have a candlelight dinner once as a, as a, oh, that's a different story. That's a, save it for <laughs> a little silly damn for you. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, is it possible though to mock disco? Like, because I, I'm a huge WKRP fan, the running joke was Johnny Fever not wanting to play any disco songs and just wanting to play Chuck Berry and just wanting to play Carl Perkins and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rock um, and roll. Right. Yeah. But, you know, now when you talk about being anti-disco, it automatically becomes, well, it's because you're homophobic and the entire I hate disco movement is rooted in an anti-LGBTQ plus movement. And I, I struggle a bit with the black and white nature of that argument. It's possible there is some great, great disco. Yeah. Uh, there is an inordinate amount of bullshit disco. The yeah, same like can anything. be said about rock and country and hip hop. There's a lot of bullshit and yeah. a lot of good stuff. But yeah. I'd love to be able, like, maybe the Steve Dahl disco demolition thing was tinged with late 70s male testosterone homophobia. I won't take that away. But yeah. is it is it okay to mock the village people and, and not be homophobic? Yeah. Can, I, yeah. Can't both those things be true? Yeah, because they were campy and yeah. Yeah, it's the village people. They're dressed like wild, and it's it's fun. They're inviting you to have fun. So if you're taking the village people with extreme seriousness, I think something's wrong with you. No, you can't stop the music. Nobody can stop the music. Take the spark from love. Make the rain fall out. This one is a reason that I go in the love disco uh, uh, corner for, because, and I'm sure Casey will drop some of these in, some of this was performed so weird. Acapella Nowhere Man into You're Gonna Lose That Girl. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land. You're gonna lose that Now, this, this thing charted. This was, uh, oh, before we get into that, I got in an argument with a kid I went to grade school with in like second grade, Tony, who was also a Beatle fan. And we kind of were Beatle competitive because when you love music, you need to be competitive with your friends. That's the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> and this kid kept insisting, insisting that Sugar Sugar was a Beatles song because it's in this medley. And I kept saying, <laughs> No, it's by a band called the Archies. This is not a Beatles song. And he's going, then why is it in Stars on 45? And I'm like, because <laughs> they, the Venus riffs in there and that's not the yeah. Beatles. So yeah, that first, that first Stars on 45, 45 was, <laughs> was uh, a mixture of, of several bands. It wasn't all Beatles. It was Beatles centric, but yes. it wasn't all Beatles. It was all Beatles except the uncredited Venus riff, the Stars on Forty Five theme, and Sugar Sugar, which is so so strange. Um, yeah, I don't know why they put it in. You know, Dutch people probably high. I mean, I'm high. Now to make mistakes. Anyway, when Hey Jude came out in '62.
yeah, there, there, there's a few moments in here, and I will tell you, the middle part of the long medley, they have the George Harrison person do all of his stuff. They play the My Sweet Lord riff, and he kind of does. Oh, yeah, right. My Sweet Lord comes in there, yeah. Which, which is also kind of random. He does his old uh, weight from Rubber Soul going into the Stars on 45 riff after the slowest day tripper you've ever heard to keep up with, uh, with the beat. <laughs> Um, but I'll tell you something. One of the things I always remember as being a kid, one of the reasons Please Please Me became my favorite Beatles song, Tony, is because of its place in this medley coming really? right after um, You Can't Do That into Please Please Me. They do the whole last verse and then the end. And like it, it was magical to me as a seven-year-old. There was just magic to hearing it there. And then the Beatles version such an improvement over it that it stars on 45 <laughs> that it was the impetus for my all-time favorite Beatles song, as weird as that may sound. I had no idea. That's so funny. And, and, and now I get it maybe why you like that song even more so much. You liked it originally hearing it. At a slower tempo yes. on Stars on 45. So, yeah, I actually looked this up. That Stars on 45 tempo is 124 beats per minute. And the original Please Please Me is 139 beats per minute. Big so difference. It's considerably faster. And also, You Can't Do That is one of the very rare solo turns throughout this 16-minute thing. And that Dutch accent comes out incredibly yeah. <laughs> in You Can't Do That. So sweet, I got something to say that might cause you pain But get you talking to that boy again I'm gonna let you die I mean, it even kind of led into the whole Beatles movie medley, which came out in 82. Not disco, but they're actually using samples of the Beatles. Uh, we've talked about this briefly on the show. It's peculiar. I'm holding up my 45 of this right now for the Beatles movie medley. It features the, rub the uh, rubber soul. Excuse me. the real. I get rubber soul and real music confused a lot. <laughs> they both come with these beautiful deluxe souvenir booklets. So, you know, I, I, I get very confused. Um yeah, this thing charted, this debacle, it is one of the worst edited, God bless the guy who edited this, I wrote it down, I can't find it, I think it's in the 45, but it's edited by... Stop! So this is edited by a gentleman, I believe, named Randall Davis. This thing, the Beatles movie medley, was so bad, Tony, I mean, it charted because after John Lennon's death, people were clamoring for Beatle product, so it did chart, I think it hit number 12 on, on the Billboard uh, charts. But this is, to date, the only officially released Beatles single to never appear on cassette, CD, or digitally. Yeah. 
Rightly so. Because <laughs> it's terrible. They didn't want to release it. In Bruce Spicer's book, he talks about they didn't want to release it originally in the UK, but demand was so high, Parlophone wound up uh, uh, pressing it. I mean, the songs are edited so clumsily. Capital yeah. had a hit. The pre uh, Hit is a strong word. Capital had some success the previous year in 81 with an edited together medley of Beach Boys songs that I think was a little bit better and fared a little better on the charts. In fact, you can find that Beach Boys medley on the Blue Starline capital label so it stayed in print for quite some time but this thing is a travesty they played it on the xm um 80 station uh, about a year or so ago i was in the car during the pandemic at some point and they were doing a 1982 week and they played this from a record but it was a great sounding drop and i wanted to write them or tweet them and say where did you get the master for this does d- does emi own a digital master of this thing somewhere no, probably it's, it's not. It's the worst. <laughs> well, yeah, they probably have some master of it somewhere. Who knows? But yeah, I get why it was popular because, yeah, this is 82. People st- were still crazy. There was this hunger for just Beatles stuff because uh, the 80s were probably already sucking, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, two, we're two years into Reagan. And the other reason they put this out, Tony, and real music in general, too, and 20 Greatest Hits is by this time... John is not only dead, but John's on Geffen and later Polydor. Uh, Paul McCartney's on Columbia in North America. George is with Warner Brothers. And Ringo's begging Boardwalk to come back to business. <laughs> so there's no solo yeah. Beatles on Capitol. So any Beatle-related product uh, sure would sell. And they got behind it and marketed it. But this movie medley is an atrocity. It's still a curio that it's a charting Beatles single on EMI with the Beatles authorization that was never released beyond 45. going to go on the uh let's try to forget this pile of which there's a yeah. few of these things there's the- give it to peter jackson yeah yeah he'll <laughs> turn it into the best movie edit ever <laughs> and lastly there is a beetle medley that predates this on the uh beetle story documentary album there's a beetle medley there that pieces together things we said today so happy to just dance through little child, long, tall Sally. And she loves you where the songs start and fade out and start and fade out. It's clumsily edited, but it still sounds kind of nice. So there is a Beatles medley from 64 on a capital album. Things we said today. 
These are the sounds which complete the picture. These are the sounds. These are the sounds. These are the sounds which complete the picture. Hey, that was a sample right there. Well, it looks like once again, TJ and I went long, which means this will be a two-parter. So, yeah, next week we're going to talk about the Beatles being sampled in popular music and things like mashups and the Grey Album and all that stuff. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy what we do, please subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. I want to thank our producer, Casey Baker. And this week's episode was compiled by guest editor Leangelo Peculiarissimo, who has a penchant for obscure Mud Honey and Rod Keith drops. Uh, meanwhile, TJ and I are digging into the Let It Be Special Edition LPs. We are absorbing those, and we're going to discuss that along with the Get Back book, which also came out recently, in the episode after sampling part two. So, for the Untitled Beatles podcast, this is Tony Mendoza saying, if you're going to sample, sample responsibly. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. Barracks with me out. I got city, but that's not.